What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Everybody, it is Thursday, September 21st, 2023. Summer is almost officially over, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. What's going on, everybody? I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone's having a wonderful week. You know, I like to come on here on Thursdays hoping for things to talk about and lucky we have a lot to talk about a lot of fights confirmed and reported yesterday Dana White yelling and screaming making some big announcements we have a co-main event for UFC 295 ladies and gentlemen and what a one-two punch it is going to be we got John Jones versus Stipe Miocic for the heavyweight title headlining at MSG in the co-main event for the vacant light heavyweight title, we're getting Yuri Prohashka versus Alex Pereira. Holy shit balls! What a one-two punch that is going to be. That is incredible. MSG is going to be on fire. And I feel like we'll get another couple of fights out of that card as well. Also, the most asked question in the history of Heck of a Morning has been answered. Since March, every day... Every week, every show, someone has come on here. I mean, maybe not every single one, but for the most part, I would say 85% of these shows since March. The question has been, when is Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington going to happen? Why hasn't that fight been booked? What is going on? Is it going to happen this year? It is going to happen this year. I've been trying to tell you, November, December, it's going to be one of those dates. It all depends on how the game of Tetris is going to work. Is Connor coming back? Is he going to fight Michael Chandler? Is it going to happen this year? No. And now we have our answer. Main event, UFC 296, December 16th, T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington for the welterweight title, the main event. Now we don't have to ask anymore when that fight's happening because now we know when it's happening. Co-main event, flyweight title on the line. The rematch between the new champion, Alexander Pantoja. He will defend against Brandon Royval. Not really surprised by that matchmaking at all. Great fight. What a one-two punch that is going to be. We also found out yesterday, Misha Tate is back. She will fight Julia Avila, who is also back on December 2nd. No location yet for that card. That's a good one. And let me just say, I saw a lot of people saying, like, who cares? I saw a lot of people say, like, oh, they're really trying to get Misha a win. Have these people, like, not watched Julia Avila fight? She is a fucking animal. I I just – I don't understand why everyone is just kind of shrugging her off all of a sudden. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, But, man, that's a good fight. 
December 2nd is also getting Puna Soriano versus Dustin Stoltzfus. Have a hard time believing that one's going to go to the cards. There's just a lot happening right now. A lot to talk about. We'll talk more about it on BTL as well. Me and Jed are just going to kind of wax poetically for a, for a hot minute. We'll take some questions at the end of the show as well. And we're going to get into this thing. We're going to get into this thing. Uh, let's, wow, this is, this is something. Let's bring in a man from The Athletic. I don't know if he meant to request, but I hope he is. I hope Shams is coming in here. Because that would have been, that'd be sick. Uh, he's got the Wheel of Doom. So hopefully we can try to get him back in. But Shams, if you're hearing me, uh, try again. Because I'd love to get your thoughts on some of this stuff. Uh, yes, yeah, sir. Go ahead. Uh, how are you, Mike? How are you? Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, just I want to, to ask, ask you about what do you think about uh, Alex Pereira versus uh, Brohaska? Do you think uh, that uh, Pereira has uh, the ability to, to defeat uh, uh, Brohaska, especially uh, that uh, uh, Pereira is a friend of, of Glover Teixeira and he, he has a lot of uh, experience in, in, in MMA in general? What do you think? I mean, does, does he have a chance to win? Of course he has a chance. It's freaking Alex Pereira. Dude hits like a truck. So he definitely has a chance. I've seen a lot of improvement, and you kind of saw it in the Ambohovich fight, his ability to go 15 minutes, his ability to have a little bit better takedown defense and just having better fight IQ overall. Uh, we have lines uh, for that one. Alex Pereira, minus 110. Yuri Prohashka, minus 120. So that's basically a flip, uh, a pick em fight with the early betting odds. Leon, the favorite over Colby, minus 145. Colby comes back at plus 125. And Pantoja, the minus 260 favorite. Brandon Royval comes back at plus 200. I think, I think it's close to a 50-50 fight. I mean, I, I really do. I don't think Yuri's going to have a big wrestling-heavy strategy. I just think he's going to be Yuri and go out and just be an absolute savage. And Alex Pereira will welcome that. He will welcome that. It's such a crazy fight. Like, that's one of those ones that – because we haven't seen Yuri in a while, too. We haven't seen him since he won the belt. Remember, he was supposed to defend the belt at the end of the year. It didn't happen. We were supposed to get the rematch with Glover. He gets hurt, vacates the belt immediately. We have the match – we have the fight at UFC 282 between Jan Bohovich and Magomed Ankalaev ends up being a draw – which created all this craziness. And then Jamal Hill wins the belt against Glover Teixeira, who retired right after the fight. And we haven't had the belt defended at all. We haven't had a 205-pound title fight all year. But now we're going to get one. Alex definitely has a chance in this fight. 1,000% he's got a chance in this fight. I can't wait for it. I cannot wait for this fight. And then just think about it, everybody. The winner of this fight more than likely is going to fight Jamal Hill sometime next year. And I can't wait for either of those fights. Crazy. 205 is, is, is awake. It's alive. Hopefully this fight happens and we have a champion crown. There's no draw. There's no craziness. There's no chaos. But boy, oh boy, this fight friggin' rules and I can't wait for it. 295 is going to be incredible. It's going to be incredible. I'm just playing eeny meeny here. So, Cole, go ahead. Good morning, Mike. Morning. Uh, I loved seeing those fight announcements yesterday, but nothing excited me more than seeing your Instagram story and seeing Julia Avila is back against Misha Tate. I mean, hasn't she – I mean, you said they've both been on long layoffs, but I think Avila has been off maybe like the whole duration of this Misha Tate, like two, three fight comeback. Like – didn't isn't Avila like a geology or a biology teacher? Didn't she have a kid or something? Um, yeah, that's just my questions to you. And if you were to handicap that fight, how do you think that one goes? 
That's all I got. The disrespect of Avila, man. Come on. Love that girl. Dude, she's she's a freaking animal. She is just a super fun fighter. She's three and one in the UFC. She's got some good wins. Debuted on super short notice. Fun fight with Patty Kianzad. Kind of came in out of nowhere. She was booked against Carol Hosa like a thousand times. And the fight just never happened. She ended up getting Gina Mazzani on short notice and just rolled over her in 22 seconds. Then she was supposed to fight Nika Montano a couple times. That didn't happen. She gets a short notice replacement in Shajara Eubanks. She just wrestled her all over the place. Tough fight to take on short notice and you're preparing for a completely different fighter. And then she's supposed to fight Nico again, and that didn't happen. They ended up moving her up. So three fights of Nico Montano fall through. Then she's supposed to fight Julia Stoliarenko in March of 2021, and Stoliarenko faints on the scale. So that fight doesn't happen. They end up pushing it back three months, and that was a great fight. Julia ends up submitting her in the final minute to improve to three and one. Then she's supposed to fight Raquel Pennington, in December of 2021, and she ended up getting a really bad knee injury. I ended up talking to her a little bit after that, and she was hoping to come back. And then she got pregnant and had a kid. So she's been gone for a hot minute. So it'll be about two and a half years in between fights. And you're right. She has been out for the entirety of the Misha Tate comeback, which is crazy to think about. And Misha Tate's making her return after the loss to Lord Murphy last July. At UFC Long Island, she moved down to 125. So this will be Misha's first fight at 135 since November 2021. So I like the matchup. It's hard to like, it's hard to make a pick here because they both been out for so long, especially Julia. But I think the best Julia Avila right now beats the best Misha Tate right now. But Man, that's, that's a long layoff, a lot of emotions going on, a lot of things have happened in between fights, so I think it's a good fight. I saw people complaining about it, like, what are you talking about? Big one for Misha. Let's see if she can get back on track. She's lost two in a row. Julia's coming off of a really good win against Julia Stoliaranko. That fight has kind of aged pretty well. I love that fight. I love that fight. Curious what's going to headline it. Curious where it's going to take place. I believe, I mean, there were lots of different conversations about this card, about whether or not, like, Minneapolis could be in play. There's talks about maybe doing an Atlantic City card in December. There's talks about a China card going on in December, but this one, this fight obviously won't be on that one. So I think they're, if they are going to China, they're targeting December 9th. I'm, there's been talks about maybe Orlando again. So I don't know. But I love that fight. It's a great fight. I don't know why people are complaining about it, but I think you're going to be like, oh, this is actually way better than I thought it was going to be. Uh, Robert, go ahead. Robert, are you there? You are- uh, hey, oh, hey, hey, guys. Hey, guys. Up, <laughs> Greetings from Tikia. Uh, just a question. I'm wondering, uh, Yiri and Alex Pereira were supposed to fight in December. Uh, is it likely that... Uh, Colby and Edwards uh, were a better headline for the tournament for PPV and uh, for fans? Uh, is it better? Yeah, probably. It's probably a better main event uh, in terms of business. But, I mean, if no offense to, to Leon and Colby. Like, I am obviously interested in that fight and I'm interested to see what's going to happen, but if someone said, Mike, you can only watch one of those two fights, it's Yuri and Alex by a mile. It's not even a conversation to be had. So, um, But I do feel for business, Leon's getting more popular since winning the belt. Colby's obvious, obviously Colby, and he will do everything he can to promote this fight. Great co-main event behind it. I mean, think about what we had last year. We were supposed to get Yuri in that spot, so maybe the UFC was like, all right, we don't want to take that risk again and put him in that spot in case something weird happens because Yuri's kind of a weird guy. And it's a great co-main event. I'm sure those two guys are happy fighting behind John Jones and Stipe, doing it at MSG, bringing Alex Pereira back to where it all started, his UFC career. Started at, at MSG and now comes full circle. Maybe he becomes 
a freaking two division champion this early in his UFC run. It's incredible. What a story that would be. What a story that would be. This guy's already broken the rankings and broken meritocracies, broken everything. Dude has broken everything. Now he's got a chance to become the light heavyweight champion. Less than seven months or a little over seven months after getting knocked out by Israel Adesanya. That's freaking insane. That's crazy. Uh, Panda. We already know what's going to happen, so I'll move on. Oh, wait a minute. Holy crap. Hold on. Hold on, Mikey. Is this possible? This is the first time I, I got the, the, the wheel of doom and it said add a speaker. So I was like, oh, we didn't get him. But you, you broke through, my man. How are you? Like I'd give Aaron Rodgers my Achilles, I would give Shams my wheel of doom connection. However, here we are. I will be quick. This is an awesome day. I think I've been asking you, I don't know, maybe six months straight about Kobe and Leon. And finally, Mike, we have our answer at the end of the year. I am so excited. I don't even know how to start watching the lead up to this fight. I think the lead up to this fight and the press conference is just going to be not only an absolute fiasco, it's just going to be so entertaining. Secondly, we talked about it a little bit. What do we think about Yuri and Alex? The fight's going to be awesome. I think it's definitely going to be a contender early for fight of the year, especially if it goes to the cards. If it's anything like Yuri and Glover and it goes all, like all the way to the distance, oh my God, it's going to be an absolute war. Mike, what are you thinking? What are you thinking about Kobe and Leon? What are you thinking about Yuri and Alex? Have a good day. Yeah, Kobe and Leon is needed to happen. Needed to happen before the end of the year. Now we're going to get it. Uh, I love the co-main event as well. And Yuri and Alex is great. It's going to be an absolute war, just like you said. I would assume, and I have no insight into this whatsoever, but I would assume, and I think this would be very smart business by the UFC, uh, that Leon and Colby show up at MSG, maybe not for the fight itself, but they should be there during fight week. Maybe they do another press conference before ceremonial weigh-ins or something, but those two dudes should be up on stage talking greasiness to each other. Bring Roy Val and Pantoja up there because Roy Val has kind of gotten – he's on one right now when it comes to the trash talk and saying what he means and – just kind of just saying whatever it is mine. He's kind of always been like that anyway. So yeah, bring those dudes in, have a little mini press conference before ceremonial weigh-ins at 295 and, and that'll help build the fight. So I'm curious to see how Colby's going to be because as I've told you guys, a lot of people have been wondering, when are you going to talk to Colby? When are you going to talk to Colby? I haven't talked to him in a, in a hot minute. I think it was like right after, when the hell did I talk to him? It was early this year. I think I've talked to him twice this year. I think I talked to him right after he was the backup fighter for the title fight between Edwards and Usman. And then I talked to him, I think I talked to him a couple months later. And since then, he's been kind of just out of sight, really. So now that the fight's been announced, I'm hoping to, to get some time with him. But yeah. Tonight, the year's going to end really fun for the UFC. We're kind of in this spot we we go through every year around this time where it's like we get through the summer months, we get through the big events. Then there's kind of like a – it's not like an off-season, but a lot of apexy, apex kind of cards. I do, although I do like this card this Saturday. We kind of like, you know, rejuvenate a little bit and then we go full steam ahead the rest of the year. And that's, this is kind of happens like this every year. Once 294 comes around, then we're just off to the races for the rest of the year. And I'm very, very excited for that. So just got to get through this next couple of weeks. All right, Mikey, go ahead. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. 
Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey guys, good morning. Um, obviously, fun stuff with the breaking news. Um, as as much as I'm disappointed that Erie and Alex will not be their own main event here in Vegas, I kind of like the synergy of arguably the most prestigious title in UFC history, the light heavyweight title being contested on the 30th birthday of the UFC underneath the greatest champion in light heavyweight history, John Jones, main eventing. So I like that that synergy to it. Um, Leon and Kobe is fine, just so we can get that out the way. Um, the co-main of Pantoja and Royval has a... It's hard. I, always, I don't like calling title fights sleepers because they're title fights, you know, like they're, they should always get the due attention, but that feels like a sleeper. Like that's going to sneak you that, you know, I think all the fight of the year candidates will probably be in the ballots by that time, but that could probably steal the show to end the year. I would really like the UFC to book Manel cop and Kai Kara France on that card. If they don't give them their own apex main event or whatever card, they want to do that. And, um, I just had a thought too, since we're all but you know certain that Conor McGregor is not going to fight this year. I think they're going to hold off the fight with Chandler against at, until UFC 300, if they're going to stick with that. Also, if Dustin's trying to get one in in December, I mean, they could load that card one more time. Uh, love the Julia Avila fight against Misha Tate. Feels it feels like the right fight. They're both around the same age, you know, and. Uh, but yeah, that that'll be fun stuff now. And now the MSG card has just cut. you know. Actually, on a quicker note, Shavkat Rockhnov's sister was supposed to fight in Contender Series, and she pulled out due to apparent injury. Look, I love Contender Series sometimes, but sometimes the UFC just needs to stop BSing and just sign up these prospects they clearly want. Put Shavkat and his sister on the same card for the love of God, you know. Anyways, be kind to one another. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I mean, let's wait and see. She's she's a little green. She's good. She's got talent, but she's she's a little green. So I have no problem kind of waiting on her and, and letting her build up a little bit uh, before she gets in there. Contender Series. This past Tuesday was kind of uh, – I mean, there were some fun moments, but again, we're in this weird spot where Dana just – kind of had an off night in terms of who he brought in and, and things of that nature. Didn't love it. I it didn't love it, if we're being honest. But congrats to those who got in. Uh, I actually am looking forward to like next year's contender series because I think a lot of the prospects that I have my eye on that may not be household names enough would like they're gonna get their shot. So just to kind of peel back the curtain, I'm doing um, – I want to start doing some more prospect stuff because I feel like there are certain prospects that, like, everybody talks about. And then I like to find sort of the super talented prospects who aren't getting enough shine or at least should be on people's radars. And one of those guys – I got a chance to talk to a couple weeks ago. Uh, this guy, gentleman by the name of Isaac Thompson, super young fighter. He's from Australia. His mom was a pro Muay Thai fighter. Fighting's like in his lineage. He's been fighting since he was like five years old. Found MMA. Started training it, making trips to Team Alpha Male when he was like seventeen. And this kid is 
super talented. Won his pro debut. Lost, I believe, his second pro fight because he kind of just got wrestled to death. And that was kind of a hole in his game. But it wasn't, it wasn't only that. It was the fact that he was so raw when it came to MMA, even though the talent was there, that fight IQ wasn't really there. Decision-making in tough spots wasn't really there. So after conversations with Uriah Faber, and I talked to Uriah Faber yesterday as well, they made the decision, you're going to take a year off. You're just going to focus on grappling. You're going to focus on wrestling. And you're going to focus on trying times and fights. And comes back, wins a unanimous decision, fought a whole 15 minutes, and then just killed the next dude he fought. And he's fighting again in October for LFA. But super interesting guy. I got Volkanovsky vibes for sure. Watching tape. Um obviously raw and green, but this kid's got something. He's got something. It really impressed me. So uh, more on him coming next week to MMA fighting. Figure it's a good time with the UFC having an off week. Uh, but that's a guy who could de- definitely be on contender series next year. If not just being an outright signing, if he can stay active. So yeah, I love the fights. You make a great point about the lineage of the light heavyweight division. Because for a long time, when the UFC was really starting to take off, the light heavyweight division was the Cadillac division. It was the main event division. It was Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz and Randy Couture and like all these guys. And then we brought in the Rampage Jacksons and some of these other guys. And that was a division. That was, that was their Cadillac division. Obviously, things have changed. Lightweight is now, in my opinion, the Cadillac division. You got Bantamweight. Welterweight's obviously very popular. Middleweight with Izzy. Star divisions with stars as champions and at the top of them. But yeah, having the greatest fighter in most people's eyes of all time headlining the 30th anniversary show and putting the light heavyweight division on in a spotlight to be the co-main event on that card. Good call. Very, very good call. Love that. Forest Quarter Sports, go ahead. Hey, Mike. I'm really amped up after the news that Dana had announced. I was really thinking that originally I thought that the the Yuri versus um, Alex Pereira fight was going to happen in January because I was hearing some like rumors about the car being in Toronto and, and I, f- I felt like that's the direction that they were going to head towards. But I'm really amped up. I'm glad that now the... I'm going to be able to watch the fight, and there's going to be two title fights that I'm actually going to enjoy um, in person. Um, really don't I – th- I believe it's going to be a 50-50 fight. But I felt like when he, when Dana made, made those announcements, there was a couple questions that came into mind. So, obviously, it seems like Sean O'Malley is going to fight first quarter next year. Um, real question is where, uh, if he's going to fight January, February, March maybe. Um, that that was one thing that I had in mind. Another question that was going through my head was, what's going to happen with the women's uh, bantamweight um title fight? It just feels like that's being pushed back. Um, and then w- one of the other questions I had was, um, would it be smart? I know I think Mikey ended up uh saying this, you know, put Manel Cap uh and Kai Car France, which I totally agree, have that on the December card. I guess like as an insurance policy in case anything was to happen towards the Bantamweight title. Do you think it'll be smart, or do you think the USC will go in the, in the direction of having um, a heavyweight title, um, a, a heavyweight fight on the MSG card? Like, Sergey says, I know he's going to be the backup fighter. Him fighting on, on the card with, I don't know, like, as an example, um, Tom Aspinall or something like that. Um, those are things that just came through my head. But that's all I got to say. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. I wonder where Sean and Cheetah are going to end up. I mean, it kind of all depends on where January is going to take place. I mean, Toronto is what they want, but I'm not sure if it's going to happen. They just got to find the date. It's all going to, it's all going to make sense. It's all going to line up. So it depends on the leaf schedule when the UFC can get in there, et cetera, et cetera. But that doesn't mean they can't go to other places in Canada as well. And they did Vancouver in June. So we'll see what happens there. I mean, do you do Sean and Cheeto in Canada? Maybe. 
If not, we'll probably have to wait till March for that one because, I mean, if the UFC goes with the same kind of flow as they had last year, they did international pay-per-view, international pay-per-view, domestic pay-per-view, international pay-per-view. And then it was kind of domestic, domestic, domestic the rest of the way, except for Vancouver. So if they go back to Australia in February, then I think we kind of know where that's going. We'll get Volkanovski to Pori on that card. So January is interesting. I don't know. I don't know what you do in January. Women's Bantamweight title fight? Yeah. I mean, that could be like a co-main event. That probably can't headline. I don't know. Maybe they'll do – maybe maybe that fight – maybe the Women's Bantamweight title will like headline December 2nd or something. Like is that, that – that's not a bad idea. We saw the success of having a title fight on a fight night card before. Shevchenko Grasso would have done much better on pay-per-view than Pena versus Pennington will do on pay-per-view. So if they're going out of the apex December 2nd, do it there. If they do Orlando or Minneapolis or wherever, do the title fight on that card. Do it there. Let's crown a new champion there. And let's really, like, give people just a lot in terms of title fights. Top Kaikar France, I I think it's it'd be cool to put it on that card. But uh I mean it's tough. That would be like a real that'd be a good like Apex main event, but I don't know if they're going to be the Apex at all in December. But yeah, you could but you could put that anywhere. You could put that anywhere. Like if they do go to China, it would actually, it's, it's not a bad place to have it. Manel obviously has fought in Asia a ton. So people know him there. So that's not like a terrible place to have that fight. So that fight should absolutely happen in December though. Without a doubt. We don't know what's going on with Brandon Moreno yet. Maybe they do him in Albazi. I don't know. I don't know. There's just a lot of questions and not a ton of answers with some of these fights, but... Now I think we're a little more clear than we were a few days back. That's for sure. But we'll see how it all plays out. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh, Jay Stat, go ahead. What's up, man? Um, do you think they add Shawcott on the MSG card? Because I know he wants to fight on there or 294. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I would say 295. Honestly, I think like I think if the UFC had their druthers, I think they would just rebook the Gaslam fight. And just throw it at MSG. It makes sense. I don't know if I don't know if anyone is gonna be like, yeah, I'll fight Shafkat on a month's notice <laughs> in Abu Dhabi. So you could do that at MSG. I think that's a good fight. I just don't know if there's like any other sort of ranked guy that is gonna take that fight right now. So I think Gaslam's kind of like the perfect opponent. I wonder if they'll do. Maybe the Ian Gary Wonderboy fight in December. That wouldn't be a bad idea. Get Ian Gary and Colby like in the same room together. Not a bad seed planting 
if you will. It's not a bad call. So, yeah, I mean, I'm really interested to see the additions to these cards. But you would, you would assume we're going to get some flyweight fights. We'll get some welterweight fights. I don't know if we'll see Sergey actually booked on one of these cards, especially if he's the backup, because why risk it? If John Jones wins, he's probably going away. If Stipe wins, I don't know. Maybe Stipe goes for one more payday and runs it back with John. I don't know. But I'll get more of a – I am planning on talking to one Stipe Miacic next week. So stay tuned for that. Uh, also, have an interview with Rafael Faziv coming up uh, on the YouTube channel in 12 minutes. So stay tuned for that. Abzalia, hello. Yes, sir. Hi. So uh... – just got a few things to uh, ask. I'll start off with the the cards that have been um, the two the few title fights that have been announced. I just want to get your thoughts um, on the particularly the Yuri versus um, Alex side of things regarding the division. Um, like obviously um, the winner of this title fight will definitely fight Jamal Hill. Hopefully, sometime next year when he recovers from his injury. But um. Was there any confirmation from Dana White or the UFC that the Uncle Ive and um, Johnny Walker fight was a title eliminator and the winner of that fight could possibly get a, a fast skip ahead of Jamal Hill for a title shot, assuming he doesn't return on time? Um, another thing I wanted to ask was, I actually asked this the other day, but I don't think you answered um, my question. I saw some reports and rumors about the UFC possibly want to head to Indonesia and uh, host the UFC card there in September next year. I saw it on uh, a few reliable MMA pages. I just want to get your thoughts. Is that just a blatant rumor or is there any possible truth to that happening? And um, just a few things I want to ask. I'll keep it short. But I, I like the way that um, the UFC has actually for the first time in a long time got a lot of um, title fights are just basically any random ranking fights that they can set up in uh, pay-per-views or fight nights, etc. Um, uh, like ideally, if you were to be um, the guy who was, you know, um, planning out the fights and stuff, uh, how would you ideally want to, you know, let's say plan out a pay-per-view for January, February, and March as you know the headlining and co-main event? Like which fighters and you know their particular opponent. Like how which what which fight in their opponent would you like hosting uh, a particular pay per view card? Oh, that's all I have. Have a great day, man. I mean, the last question is like almost impossible to answer without knowing when and where that fight's going to happen. So, and the UFC does do throwaway pay per views too. I mean, we've seen it already. They they do do kind of throwaway pay per views. We saw with two eighty nine, like we got Oliveira and Darius, and I think that's the fight everybody was excited about. But I don't think there was a lot of buzz around Nunez and Aldana. Although Aldana was kind of like a, a darling underdog for some reason. But then Amanda just kind of ran her over. So I thought 288 for the most part. Like we got Sterling and Cejudo. But I don't think that was the fight really anybody wanted, if we're being honest. So that was kind of a throwaway in some respects. So, I mean, it's kind of tough. It's kind of tough. I talked a lot about... Alex and Yuri, so I'll kind of leave that be. And Indonesia, I've heard nothing about it, but as I've said many times on the show, if wherever in Indonesia wants to host a card, has money to spend, and they want to spend millions of dollars to get the UFC over there, then the UFC will go. They'll go. They will listen to the, to the offers, and if the offer meets what they want, in order to go to a new place, they'll go. So it all depends on that. I don't think the UFC is like, hmm, where should we go that we've never been before when they don't have to do that anymore? Now these places that they've never been to before, they come to them and pay them a bunch of money to go. So I won't rule it out, but I've heard nothing about it. I've heard nothing about it and – to me, like booking something all the way out to September, like a year away, just doesn't seem like something the UFC would do when they don't really have to. But who knows? Maybe there's been an offer. Maybe there's been conversation. But uh, I've heard nothing about that. Uh, Four-ounce sniper. Let's see if we can get you in. I'm getting the Wheel of Doom. 
So we might have to have you try again. Uh, CV. Yo, Mike, heck of a morning. Um, I'm just going to piggyback on everybody, everybody, anybody else's uh, thoughts on the space. Um, big fights. Um, might have to go back to MSG once again. Uh, last time I've been there was for 268. And looks like I have to sell my other kidney just to get uh, tickets for that fight. Um, but yeah, I want to speculate again for the, the Toronto card. Um, I want to talk about the fights that weren't announced, like you said, uh, McGregor, Chandler, uh, O'Malley, and Vera. Um, my guess is for January, since it's it's hopefully it's going to be in Toronto. Uh, knock on wood. Um, Strickland and Duplessis. Uh, what do you think? Is that too random? Um, but yeah, what do you think about that? Thanks. Um. Yeah, kind of random. Kind of random. Honestly, if you're not going to have Sean Strickland fight in Las Vegas, send his ass back to Australia. He's like a, he's like a star in Australia. So if they go back there in February, do it there. Do Strickland versus DDP in Australia. Strickland will be like – he's like an honorary Australian. They love him over there. He's a star. Bring him over there. Do Strickland DDP and do Volk Taporia. Two title fights if you go back there. I don't know if they'll do that fight in Canada. Not really sure. I will say this, though. If they go back to Canada, if Charles Oliveira somehow wins the title in October, I think you kind of have to send Charles over there. Do we not? Like, how over he was in Vancouver heading into that Darius fight? He was the star of the freaking show. He was more popular than the Canadian fighters. So that's not a bad – Charles isn't a bad guy to have over there if he somehow beats Makachev. I don't think he's going to, but if he wants to turn around relatively quickly and get some pay-per-view points, not a bad not a bad call there. But, yeah, Strickland DDP in Toronto would be, like, the weirdest thing ever. I mean, I would dig it, see how Sean would cater to the Canadian crowd, but, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, go ahead, four ounce sniper. I think we have you now. Yep. Hey, can you hear me? Hey, heck of a morning. Uh, just real quick for you, uh, what do you think is going to happen with Bilal Muhammad? Is there a way? Is there a world where he just sits this one out and maybe gets the next title shot, or can we get a Mystic Mike prediction on what do you think is going to happen with him? Does he have to fight Shavkat, or is there somebody else he's going to have to fight? And that's all I got. Hmm. That's a good question. So what I think could end up happening, and maybe it happens on the December card, like I don't think Bilal really is at any position. Like he could wait. He could sit there and wait and hope everything kind of works out in his favor. Um, But I don't know if that's necessarily a smart thing to do with all these guys on the come up. So if I'm Bilal Muhammad, I would be – going all in on Kamara Usman. Like, get that fight. Like, that fight is realistic for him now. You go and you beat Kamaru, like, it's almost beyond the shadow of a doubt now that you're the guy. And if you do it in December on the same card as Colby versus Leon, you let Bilal kind of cook a little bit around those guys. You let him and Colby go back and forth. You let him and Leon go back and forth. Like, that wouldn't be a bad idea. Maybe Bilal comes in as the backup or whatever. But he's in a tough spot, man. Like, and I said that, like, after he burns. Like, he's in such a tough spot because it took so long to book this fight. And if I'm Bilal Muhammad and you're playing the waiting game, you're going to risk it for the biscuit, you better pray Leon Edwards wins that fight. You better pray he wins that fight. Because if Colby wins, I don't think he's getting a title shot. Because Colby's not going to fight Bilal. And the UFC views Colby as one of their guys. And if Colby wants to fight Connor, or wants to fight Dustin Poirier, or wants to fight somebody else and make a bunch of money, the UFC is going to let it happen. So... Law's in a tough spot. Go fight Kamaru. 
you win that fight, you're almost undeniable, but still, you would need Leon to win. Because I think if Colby wins, he's in trouble unless he does fight Usman on that card and makes a lot of noise at the press conference and gets those guys' attention. But I hated this fight. Him and Burns fighting in May, just rushing this fight together for no reason. Like, there was no reason to put that fight on that card. And now look at us. Bilal Muhammad, like, has earned a title shot, but he might not get it. So he's in a tough spot. But if I'm him, I'm fighting. I'll fight Usman, but I ain't fighting anybody else. And then even then, he still might be screwed. If Colby wins, man, that's welcome to the UFC, my friends. Bull, go ahead. Did you talk about Cyril Gagne yet, Mike? No, please. Mike, goodness gracious. What is going <laughs> on with this guy? This has to be the most blatant duck I've ever witnessed. And I've been watching MMA since I was in diapers. This guy is talking about, ooh, I won the title. I just want to go up. Buddy, you're number one. There's no more up to go. You had your title shot. There's no more up. You got to fight some of the guys that are right behind you. I mean... They're arguably in front of you. You had two shots. What is going on with this guy, Mike? Please, enlighten me. I'm confused. He's had three. He got the interim title shot. He fought, got the Francis fight, lost the Francis fight, and then got tapped by John Jones in the minute. So I'm not going to – I don't think he's ducking anybody. But I just think his – I just think his mindset is totally off here. I, I just, he's got to think more realistically. Like, I understand that that Paris card is incredible and Cyril looked great and just mowed his opponent down and he got cheered like a freaking superstar. It was like, it was a great night. The fans are on fire. It's exactly what you need for a guy like Cyril God. But to sit there and say, no, I'm just waiting for the belt. Like, it's just not right. It's just not right. Now, if you know, if you don't want to fight Tom Aspinall, if you feel like Tom is too far behind you after the layoff and the Marching Tybora win was enough for you, fine. Say that. I thought Cyril made a huge mistake. I thought he should have went all in on Sergey Pavlovich. Stylistically, that's a fight that is super dangerous, but it's a fight stylistically that Cyril could win. Like, I, it's a more winnable fight than I think it is for Tom Aspinall against Tom Aspinall. So the fact that he badly won, I should get the title. It's craziness. It's absolute insanity. And guess what? If Jelton Almeida beats Curtis Blades November 4th, the week before the heavyweight title fight, he's even further back. He's even farther back in the conversation. So, yeah, don't love it. Don't love it. He doesn't really have a lot of leverage to play with here. So, I think Asadol probably has more leverage, if we're being honest. But... Yeah. Didn't love that. <laughs> Didn't love that. I don't think it's going to work out for him. I think he's going to have to – I think he's probably going to end up fighting Tom Aspinall now after all of this because if I'm Sergey Pavlich, I ain't fighting anybody at this point. I'm just waiting for Jones and Stipe to ride off into the sunset and get into a vacant title fight, so – but the fact that he had no name and just like, nah, I'm number one. I should fight for the belt. Nothing else makes sense is crazy talk. Uh, Riley, go ahead. Riley, you there. Oh, there we go. I just wanted to ask, do you think, uh, so Alex Pereira, uh, this is going to be his fourth fight in like one, uh, or well, really in 364 days because he won the title uh, November 12th, 2022, and this is on November 11th. 
do you think that it's going to be worn out a bit or uh, like not taking enough time off? I know a lot of people were saying that uh, he should take more time off after the brutal Izzy KO. Uh, and I was one of those people, but then he came and beat Jan and, you know, looked solid. Uh, but now again, he's fighting not even July, August. He's fighting like two months after uh, he beat Jan Blahovic or like three months. Uh, he's not giving himself any time to recover after all these camps and whatnot. Um, so thoughts on that. And then the other thing, uh, Izzy posted his uh, first comments after his loss. So I was just wondering if you saw that and have any uh, comments on that. Thanks. So I'll talk about the prayer thing first. I mean, really, he only know, he knows the answer to that question and Glover knows the answer to that question. And I truly feel that if Glover felt like it was too soon and his team felt like it was too soon, they would tell him no. Um, case in point, before we got Izzy Strickland in Sydney, the UFC had said no to that fight. They're like, nah, we'll go and we'll try to get Yuri and Alex instead. And they were both like, no, what the hell are you talking about? Prayer is thinking like, I just fought a month and a half ago, so I'm certainly not going to do this. And we ended up getting Strickland and Izzy and that's what happened. So look, I mean, for a guy like Alex Pereira, this is about as good as it gets, right? Doesn't have to travel very far. He's right up in Connecticut. He could probably freaking drive to MSG in an hour and a half, two hours. I mean, this is as, clo as close to home. It's perfect, honestly. It's actually about as good, as good of a situation as there could be for him. So I think that probably played into it as well. He doesn't have to cut to 85 anymore, so that's very helpful. He looked super happy fighting at 205 against Jan Bohovich and looked pretty damn good. So he didn't take a ton of damage in that fight. He didn't get hit really hard. He got leg kicked a few times, but like he didn't get battered. He didn't get dropped. It was a, a pretty good night for him. And I think the logistics of it all kind of lines up perfectly for him. So it's not going to get any better. Unless they just have a rando fight night in Danbury, Connecticut, which they're not going to do. So, yeah, he can fight in Boston or New York. That's about as good of a situation as there could be for, for Alex Pereira. So, yeah, don't mind it. Don't mind it at all. And, shit, I forget your other – I think there's another question, but I forgot. I'll remember it. I do this all the time. Uh, Sterner's lager. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, I was just wondering um, who is the next contender for the 205 title after Yuri and Alex? Uh, presuming Jamal Hill isn't recovered by then, I'm guessing he's probably in the first spot. Do you think um, maybe Walker and Ankalaev in uh, October maybe get that title shot? Thank you. I mean, if it's Pot, like it would it'd probably be one of those two guys one would think if Jamal's not ready but I think the UFC will try to get Jamal the other option if Alex wins what about Israel Adesanya what about Israel Adesanya we let the middleweight division kind of play itself out we could do the trilogy fight at 205 for the belt you know that's something the UFC's thinking about so, boy, if I'm the ankle live Johnny Walker winner, I'm really hoping Yuri wins that fight. Really hoping Yuri wins that fight. But I honestly think that the UFC's I – mean, kind of going back to, to the point of the previous caller about Pereira being so active, kind of a good time to wait for Jamal Hill, is it not? Go and fight again, four fights in less than a year, right around a year stretch. And then you can wait for Jamal Hill to come back. I would, I would guess Jamal Hill is going to be ready by the summer. So I don't think that's too long to wait, honestly. But we'll see. Izzy's in play. That's for sure. Oh, now I remember. Now that I said Izzy. Uh, previous caller asked, Izzy broke his silence, as I expected. 
did something on his YouTube channel. Um, I liked what he had to say, honestly. I did. I watch the whole thing. No, did I read the Cliff Notes sort of version on MMAfighting.com? Yes, I did. I thought uh, I thought he handled himself pretty well. He didn't make a lot of excuses. He said Sean frustrated him. There was nothing. At least he didn't reveal to, to what I know, anyways, that there's like anything wrong with him or it didn't seem like he offered any excuses, just that Sean had a great game plan, put Sean over, put Eric Nixick and the team over. Thought he handled it pretty well. Thought he handled it really, really well. Didn't completely expect that, to be honest, but not saying that he wouldn't handle it with grace in class, but I was curious if he would kind of open up about well, I was going through this. I was dealing with this. Um, maybe he did because I didn't watch the whole thing, but didn't seem like he did from everything that I saw. So I thought he handled himself pretty well. Good for him. And now he should take a break. And who knows? Maybe he gets to fight for the 205-pound title again in his next fight. Craziness. Uh, fact, friends. Yeah, I was going to say, it's actually quite interesting. Uh, you know, there's certain, there's certain fighters that uh... – you know, get worse with kind of ring rust and having that prolonged period. I would say Alex Pereira and Strickland are both those type of guys that, like, staying active, it's good for them. Like, they continuously spar and they, they have that energy, that stamina to keep going. You know, we know that Strickland, you know, spars pretty heavily, right? Same with, you know, Alex Pereira from the videos that we've seen as well. They're both those kind of, you know, active fighter guys. I don't see what's stopping Alex Pereira from claiming the belt in his current weight class. And then, God knows, maybe, you know, Strickland still sticks around at middleweight. You can see potentially a rematch in, in Strickland's class. Do, do, do you see any of that happening, or, or am I just dreaming here? Wouldn't rule it out. Sorry, uh, I wouldn't completely rule it out. Look, at this point, as a UFC fan, you should never rule anything out. I mean, there are certain, like, ridiculous things, like, Demetrius Johnson's not going to fight John Jones. Like, we don't have to think about that shit. But if we think about, like, could Izzy go to 205 and fight for the light heavyweight title in this next fight? Certainly. Could Alex Pereira win the light heavyweight title and then suddenly say, you know what? I want to fight for the middleweight title and fight Sean Strickland since I already knocked him out. I'll make the cut again. Certainly. Like, everything's in play. Everything is in play. Nothing would surprise me. Nothing seems completely off the board that, that is at least realistic it's a crazy time my friends it is a crazy time indeed and nothing at all would surprise me that would certainly not surprise me but i wouldn't recommend it he seems so happy at 205 and him and jamal hill is great he could get the izzy fight again that's a humongous fight at 205 the options are a plenty and everything's in play that's realistic. So, okay, we're done. Good show. Love when we have things to talk about. So good news there. Some bad news. Um, I will not be here tomorrow. I will talk to my best friend, AK, to see if he wants to do Lee in the morning. Um, so I will not be here tomorrow. I have to, the problem with, doing certain things and like having the ability to MC and DJ uh, and your wife knows that as she volunteers you for things that you probably don't want to do. And tomorrow's one of those days I have to, there's going to be like this big luau event at my kid's school. So I will be there from seven 45 till 3 PM uh, entertaining a bunch of kids uh, playing luau music. I don't even know what that means, but, I have no idea what I'm walking into, but that's where I will be tomorrow. So I'll talk to AK, see if he wants to hop on and take your questions, maybe do a little free-for-all Friday action. Uh, we'll have a preview show tomorrow as well. I'm not sure what time, but it will happen. So obviously tune into that. Saturday is obviously a very busy day. Lots of fights going on. We got one tomorrow night as well. It's going to be a busy weekend in combat sports, and then uh, we get a break from the UFC next week. 17 weeks in a row and then we get a breather and then we'll close out the year in a, in a pretty big way. So 
Thank you all very much. Much appreciated. Uh, I will see you guys on BTL at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. Should be a good time. So thank you all. Have a great rest of your Thursday. And as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.